0: What is up, freaks? We're jumping right into it. Welcome back to uh, Tales from the Crypt, a Rabbit Hole Recap Edition, Special Edition. We got a guest in the house tonight. But before we get to our guest, we got to introduce our sponsor, BlockFi. You've heard all about them. How they all have one thing in common: they hate selling their crypto, especially if it's for paying taxes. The government's back open, people. It's going to have to happen. The IRS is back at work. So this service is becoming more pertinent by the day. The best way to use your crypto without having to sell is to use BlockFi. Use your Bitcoin, Ether, or Litecoin to get USD funded directly to your bank account and get your crypto back at the end of the loan. The best part is that the interest you pay on the loan can be deducted from your taxes, saving you money and a headache dealing with tax debt. Visit BlockFi.com slash crypt to learn more about using your crypto without having to sell. Hold on to your Bitcoin freaks. BlockFi.com slash crypt. Gentlemen, it's great to be back in the studio, you two in particular. Uh, for you freaks that don't remember, we made a bet, what, five, six months ago? That the price on Jan- January 1st, 2019 would be, uh, the bet was, would the price be below or above six thousand two hundred uh or $6,525, excuse me. Uh, the price was considerably below. Uh, Murad, welcome back to the pod. We are winners. How's it feel to be a winner?
1: As per usual, we are the winners of the bet. Um, <laughs> So, as a result, uh, Matt is going to be providing the payment for the festivities later tonight. Yes. I'm very excited about our dinner. Um, I'm hungry,
0: too, dude. I've been fasting all day, all mm-hmm. week, actually.
1: Um, but, yeah, I'm super happy and excited to be back on my favorite show.
0: Well, we're glad to have you back. Uh, we're going to get to your price predictions in a little bit. We've got a lot of topics to get to. Matt? Do you want you know, anything to open up the episode with from your end?
2: How's it going, guys? Uh, I'm excited for the dinner. That should be good. I think the price was sixty six twenty five, and it was well. We made the bet in like November for yes. January first. Yes. Um. So I lost this bet a little bit ago. I lost this bet like a month ago. Yeah. Really lost it like two months ago. <laughs> so I I put the money aside a long time ago. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to go. We're gonna feast out. It should be a really good time. Let your lesson be learned that you should never bet against Murad's
1: price analysis. <laughs> All that's, right. That's first and foremost.
0: So let's jump. Jo- wait, wait, wait. Keep the mic. Let's jump into your price analysis. You dropped another thread this morning uh, talking about how people who think that Bitcoin isn't going to move below its 200-day moving average may be wrong. Am I correct in uh, dissecting your thread? Yeah, ad-
1: admittedly, this is partially speculative on my part, but I still uh, believe that 200-week it, it um, moving average is likely to break. And there are primarily two reasons I see for that. First of all, um, if you sort of extend some of the moving averages from the Bitcoin's earliest days, you will see that um, the very first support was found around MA50. Uh, the subsequent one um, in 2011-2012 uh, was found around MA-100. Then we know the famous MA-200. Um, Why don't you tell the listeners what, what you mean by MA? So the, the just uh, the simple moving averages <coughs> we're discussing here. And so I believe that um, it is uh, the, the moving average that ends up supporting the price at each subsequent um, bear market. I believe it becomes the longer and longer uh, Simple Moving Average. Um, I actually believe that we might bottom out somewhere around uh, 300 or even 350. Um, Dollars? No, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, The 300-week moving average average or the 350-week moving Uh, average. Okay. Um, In the sense that um, it will be um, the longer one supporting it this time around. But um, I also believe that the altcoin market cap is down around 90% from uh 465 billion to around uh 45 billion right now which uh to be honest i believe is not enough uh all alts put together being worth uh 45 billion dollars even though it's just on paper still i think is far too high um and i wouldn't be surprised if we went if that gets cut at least in half more, and probably even by 60, 65%. And um, I believe that we still have not seen the final capitulation in the market, Um, not in Bitcoin and certainly not in alts. Um, And I believe that we need to be punished by either time or or price, Uh, probably a mix of both. Um, and I think that this this bear market will still last for several more months. Mm-hmm.
0: And so if your theory holds true and, and comes into fruition, what do you think the uh, sort of the prolonged nature of each subsequent bear market means for adoption? Do you think that's like a healthy sign for long-term adoption? Do you think it should be speeding up? Do you think people are losing interest? Do you have any, any comments around that?
1: So I'm realizing as of late that... Market as a whole does not care about our particular human preferences. And so uh, as we sort of learn more and more about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and get sucked into this rabbit hole, we start kind of getting ahead of ourselves and thinking about things, how they will be like in the far future. But I believe that um, the eventual success and dominance of cryptocurrencies is inevitable, but it might take a little bit more time than some of us would like or some of us think. Um, it, it doesn't matter that the, that the bear cycles get prolonged more and more. I think it's kind of natural. You see similar patterns in, in gold and other monetary uh, asset classes. And um, what's important is that each subsequent bottom is higher than the previous one. So uh, the previous generational bottom was uh, $200 around, right? If this time around it's around $2,000, I believe that Bitcoin is showing itself as a massive success because mm-hmm. it, it shows that uh, the, the fact that bottoms get higher and higher literally symbolizes that the number of hodlers. Are, is increasing and that is what you want for your store of value. Yes The the entire monetization might be happening a little bit slower But as long as the bottoms uh, get higher and higher the volatility doesn't matter Volatility is just people coming to the reality of a new monetary system.
0: Yeah, no, I like that And the fact that the bottoms are getting higher as, as more supply has been distributed to the market over time is is even Like adds to the bullish case for that So thank you for your for your price analysis. It's been a wonderful Seeing your your uh, your blossoming into like a, a chart whore like uh, progress throughout time, love your charts.
2: So I have a follow up question. So the price now is like thirty four hundred. We our recent bottom was like thirty one hundred ish, right? So it's like ten percent down. So what do you have a number for? What do you think the bottom is going to be? So I believe smell
0: another bet coming.
2: <laughs> I believe that.
1: Uh, So I believe that the next bottom, the bottom is going to be around 2K. And um, I like to give a range. And I think the bottom is going to be somewhere between 1700 and 2300. And in terms of time, it will be somewhere between April and July. If I was a betting man, which I'm not. But um,
2: those that would be my
0: range for the time. Aren't you practice. president of the poker club at Princeton? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no one who draws charts isn't a betting man. Um. Okay, that's interesting. We'll yeah. see how right he is this time around.
0: So that was a little price analysis. We don't do that too often. So glad to have you come sh- give that uh, side of things because we haven't talked about price a lot of times. We'll you
2: definitely we'll definitely construct a bet, but we'll wait till the the whiskey flows a little bit more on this side for some inspiration
0: and we got a mixture of drinks mirage drinking coffee matt's got whiskey i got a beer we got some uh we got some spectators in the crowd too some family members hanging out thanks for (laughs) listening to us do this do the show guys love you so uh moving on to the first topic you put this in there is there a better hash update or you simply just want to pump better hash right now
2: i just felt like it was it was a good time for a show
0: yeah, great time for a show. So we talked about this what, three or four weeks ago, Better Hash. It's really not being uh talked a lot about a lot or has been recently. I actually have heard more people talking about it in the last couple of weeks, which has been great. Um but Better Hash, uh the mining pool protocol, not to be confused with uh uh a competitor of, of our sponsor tonight, Honey Miner, uh that goes by the same name, uh, is something that a lot of people would like to get uh, adopted in the Bitcoin network. Um, So to quickly explain for you freaks who might not know what BetterHash is, it is a competitor to Stratum, which is a mining pool protocol. And the Stratum protocol right now gives mining pool operators a lot of undue influence over the network because they are able to uh, decide how the block is templated and then they divvy up the block reward to the miners in the pool. What BetterHash does is give the individual miners in the pool the ability to construct the block template, and then all the pool operator does is distribute the reward. Um, So this uh, arguably makes mining, uh, pool mining uh, in particular, a lot more decentralized, gives a lot more power back to individual miners. Um, But there's a lot of hurdles to overcome. It's a a chicken and egg problem, Um, sort of figuring out how to bootstrap uh, better hash. There's not really a great profit motive at the moment, a lot of people would argue.
2: Yeah, we need the miners to care about sovereignty, basically. Yeah. But uh-huh. uh, I th- I think they'll come around, and I, I think it's. Uh, you did a great job explaining it, and uh, it's an important project for us all to support. Yeah, so that's... Actually, I met with
0: Matt Corallo a couple weeks ago. We wrote the protocol, and there's spitballing ideas on how to make it happen, and it's literally people just need to talk about it more, and I guess it will have to be demanded by the market, and specifically uh, miners, um, individual miners, if you guys believe that uh, you should have the power to, to con- decide how your blocks are constructed. Um, definitely let your local pool operator know that that's something you'd be interested in.
2: Yeah, It's basically like don't trust verify, but for miners. Yeah, now, exactly.
0: Right? Um, yeah, so better hash for a better future. I'm trying to think of some propaganda slogans. I
2: like that. That's a good propaganda <laughs> slogan. Murad really liked that one. Um,
0: yeah, so that's a better hash update. Talk about it more, people. I feel like if more people are talking about it,
2: and there was a good Bitcoin Magazine article this week on it. Yes. So it was like we. It, I was recently extra extra shielded. Yeah. Who wrote that? I forget who wrote that. Exactly. I don't think it was Aaron. It definitely was an Aaron, uh, but it's on Bitcoin Magazine. Yeah, we'll figure.
0: find it. We'll link to it in the show notes. Sorry to that author who we can't recall right now.
2: It was a good. It was a good piece. Very good piece.
0: Um, jewel upgrades. We meant to talk about this last week. We never got around to it. This is uh, a big one. This a big. Have upgrade. you been playing around with it?
2: Well, the big one is before you needed to use Zap or something else to create your channels and now you can do it all in Juul. So you don't you can skip the part where you install Zap if you if you just want to do in browser Lightning Network. And uh Pierre updated his node launcher, so now it's easier than ever to have, you know, this Juul Chrome extension or you shouldn't be using Chrome, but Firefox extension <laughs> or whatever. Uh to pay to make payments through your browser with your own node.
0: Yeah. And I guess let's dive into it. I mean we haven't talked about Jewel in a while, but the the use cases beyond like microtransactions, like the vision for Joule um is sort of like a quasi internet passport to, to help you carry a reputation around on the web based off of your node activity, which is an interesting concept. Um, so Jewel being an extension that uh communicates with a node uh, and f- for microtransaction purposes now could be something potentially a lot a lot more complex and intricate in the future um, so if they iterate at the transaction level just keep this stuff
2: in mind I would say I mean I th- I think for like a lot of people in the future their interaction with Bitcoin is going to be through something like jewel right uh, everything is is going to all, all the user-facing good stuff is gonna be is gonna be in an extension or something like that, right? Or like a at least for microtransactions, at least where like lightning comes in.
0: Yeah. But what do you think about like custodial extension services uh that are as hot wallets. Like do you think that like a lot of hardcore Bitcoiners would say, Are you crazy?
2: Well one of the cool things about Joule is that you you hook it up directly to your node. Um I could see a world where, as as long as they keep that as an option, you could have, you know, maybe like plugins where where you could pick a a node provider or something, mm-hmm. and then as if you have those no- nodes competing with each other, like the node providers competing with each other, it might not be the worst world, and and you know, it, it you'll have some competition at least. Maybe they'll you that'll keep them honest.
0: Yeah. Um, but still. Would you would you recommend anybody keep more than like 20 to 50 dollars
2: on lightning like, like on your lightning node or
0: like in a jewel wallet or something.
2: And like well, jewel's not hot right now, right? Jewel is I mean, I guess it is it's it is hot, but it's not Yeah, custodial. somebody got
0: access to your extension.
2: But it's not custodial, right? No. No. You have you have control of your keys, but they're vulnerable cuz it's in a hot yeah, wallet. Yeah, they're vulnerable in the browser. Yeah. Um, so like yeah, you shouldn't I mean, in Lightning in general, you shouldn't be keeping you know more than you're willing to lose on uh, in any kind of Lightning. This is all we're all just testing and having fun right now. Yeah, right. What are your thoughts Don't keep on keep a life changing amount?
0: What are your thoughts on this stuff?
2: Um, I am
1: generally extremely bullish on Lightning. I've been meeting with a lot of people from the Lightning ecosystem, both building the uh, Lightning implementations themselves as well as some of the applications around it, and um. I think that Lightning and perhaps other sort of layer two technologies like it are going to be literally the next internet. And I think <laughs> no. that in their full in their full final form, uh, they will make the base layer blockchains themselves look quite minimalist by comparison. Um, I like to describe kind of the ecosystem as an upside down pyramid where the bottom is like made of hard titanium for like occasional hyper-secure settlement, and then there's going to be this whole universe uh, of uh, layer two, layer three, who knows, even layer four possibly, um, systems uh, on top of it. Um, And I just sort of delving into like channel factories and atomic multipath payments, some of these other technologies as of late. um, I am uh, incredibly excited, and I think that it will finally enable sort of the payments and the transactional use cases, on a uh, much more scalable, sustainable, and um, sort of long-term basis, uh, which I think will finally um, make people see sort of the final vision. I think, even though we are all prioritizing the store of value right now, it, it money can't succeed with that by itself. Uh, you want we are investing in Bitcoin as a speculative store of value. Uh, Under the premise that there is also a path and a vision towards uh, Bitcoin becoming a full fledged uh, and technologically viable uh, medium of exchange in the future as well. And I think uh, the incredible pace of lightning development um, is uh, sort of making people more um, sort of making people believe in in, in this vision and, and Bitcoin's potential for all kinds of payments. Uh, in the future as well.
0: I completely agree. (laughs) And I will add, is lightning, number one, and the pace of development and growth on it, number two, a black swan that could fuck up your long-term charts? So let's talk about price history up to this point in time. That was all in a world mostly for at least nine years where lightning didn't exist and, and these building capabilities weren't around either. So now we're living in a world where lightning exists and these building capabilities exist, and I would argue it's a different animal you're 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 approaching and you're and you're trying to define. And so there's a lot more to price in.
1: Um, Just play so devil's advocate here. I I disagree actually. Okay. Because even though uh, lightning is an amazing technology, I personally still am not going to spend Bitcoin for the next ten years. Um, I can, so I can agree with that. Right, and so. In that sense, Bitcoin's price is more of a function of like the speculative digital gold and will still be maybe for, I don't know, two, two and a half cycles. Um, I will start spending Bitcoin and even then only a little bit when Bitcoin itself is going to be in the trillions. Uh, I am bullish on Lightning as an enabling technology, but I still think um, at least in the next two, three, four years, it will be kind of niche. And it will be more like a toy because, as I've said, there are still very strong disincentives to spend Bitcoin. Um, I can just stand on the uh, I can just stand on the sidelines while all this technology is getting built uh, and all the UX is getting perfected uh, without sort of uh, spending my Bitcoin. I mean, I can I can play around with maybe a couple of Satoshis here and there, but um, I think it it like it requires ideology over just pure profit seeking at this point in time mm-hmm. uh, still because Bitcoin theoretically can still go up by quite a lot. So um, essentially it's in my intra. If I am bullish on Bitcoin, it's in my interest to hoard it and strictly hoard it while uh, using um, government money for payments.
0: I would agree.
2: I also agree with that logic um, in general. But the question is, does lightning enable payments that might not otherwise be possible? Like, are you if are there business models here being created? Satellite API is pretty cool. That yeah, that wouldn't be possible with fiat payments. So in those cases, I might be inclined to, you know, buy some Bitcoin with Cash App and then use it to for this
0: purpose. There will be no mic grabbing. All right. We're going to hand the mic over nicely. Thank you.
1: (laughs) So, um, there are two things I will say here. And so, the payments use case, even if you will have a lot of money flowing through either Bitcoin or Lightning, it doesn't necessarily lead to price appreciation, which kind of flows back to your previous question. Mm -hmm. Um, For price appreciation, the single best behavior that you want to see by market participants is people desperately holding Bitcoin, making it completely disappear from circulation, and then restricting the supply to a point where every new additional demand just makes the price go locally vertical. Um, so that's A. But more importantly, and this might sound- To an
0: extent. I would say that's an extreme
1: and well, there is- I, I agree. And I, I, I guess um, it definitely helps support the price. Uh, but once again, I believe at this point in monetization, It's not so much payments um, or lightning that supports uh, the price or makes the price go up. It's people desperately speculating on the store of value usage or simply uh, like using Bitcoin as a store of value and essentially putting Bitcoin on their balance sheets and ideally holding it for years. You want the holding period to be as long as possible. But more importantly, and this might sound a little bit un-Bitcoin-like and not very cypherpunk of me, but um, I don't think it's the uncensorability uh, or even the payments use case that are going to make Bitcoin go to the trillions. The mic grabbing
0: rule goes both ways.
1: <laughs> so I'm trying to be pragmatic and realistic, and um, I think uncensorability is cool. Unseizability is also pretty cool, but I think over the long run, it will really be Bitcoin's uninflatability that will make it go into the trillions, and I'll tell you why. The people, so here's the thing, right? Like all these business models, like casinos, porn, whatever, they really, they, they, they're not gonna make a dent in the universe. And um, I mean, if you put them all together, it's a pretty sizable thing, I suppose. Wait, but wait, just wait, let wait, me wait, wait, finish. Just let me, let me finish, my thrain, let me finish my train of thought, and then you can comment on that. So here's the thing, right? The people in the world um, who control, <laughs> who collectively control trillions of dollars, um, are tens of trillions of dollars. hundreds, don't so care so about uncensored. Hundreds, hundreds of trillions of dollars, I would say, right? Um, so those people, they don't get censored anyway, and they don't get their assets seized anyway. Now, something like that definitely supports Bitcoin's price, as some people who acquire it sort of um, capture that market and push the market cap early on but if you really want bitcoin to go into like a 5 trillion 10 trillion 15 trillion dollar territory in today's terms i think the reason why bitcoin will find itself in big (laughs) asset managers portfolios and ultra high net worth individuals portfolios in the cash allocation of their portfolio is because um like the world will game theoretically converge on bitcoin as the hardest money And um, because of its unprintability, everything else all, all the other assets will kind of reprice themselves around Bitcoin. And I think that like Bitcoin's extremely high quality as a store of value and just nobody's ability, everybody's inability to print more units. I think that will essentially will be the not the only force like these other forces matter but but it's uninflatability that let's put it this way that's 80 percent of the pie chart of the forces that will push the revolution
2: forward that was just just a lot of just bullshit over and over again i i agree refute except i feel like you're creating a false dichotomy here you need both like it's both combined like if you don't have a censorship resistant properties then it's worth fucking nothing because you can't spend it at will. So to say like, Oh, these people aren't censored now, Well, this is a completely different system that we're talking about. Right? So you need in, in, it needs to be censorship resistant. It needs to be immutable. The fixed supply is, is absolute. You know, you know, the monetary policy, you know, it's a truly scarce asset that we've never seen an asset like that, but it all goes together. If you don't, the, the store of value thesis requires all of these things, right? Would you agree?
1: So I definitely agree with you that all of these properties, they uh, are inextricably linked. And you need censorship resistance for the uh, decentralization to stay intact, for the unprintability to stay intact, etc. And yes. they, they all reinforce each other. I agree with you. However, um you the other. you mentioned sort of the new business models that it will enable or whether lightning will make the price go vertical and my well, only my well my only reservation is that um like relative to other business models or just socioeconomic structures and how wealth is concentrated around the world today like let, let's be honest like a handful of people own like 90% of the world. So, uh you kind of want um it's important for those kinds of people to start allocating to uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies at least a little bit for sort of the next two, three big waves of the market to come to fruition. Um, And essentially what I was saying is, I think at this point in time, while Bitcoin is still relatively small, we're at what, like 60 billion right now, um, yes, some of these lightning and censorship resistant use cases might be beneficial for the system as a whole, but essentially, I still believe that in the grand scheme of things um like big money like they they don't they don't really get their assets seized like especially in the developed world like that's not really a thing
2: but it's a different level of guarantee right like they're doing what they're doing it costs them money but I I think for a lot of people you know especially that level right below the top you know half a percent like For those people, the censorship resistant guarantees that that Bitcoin gives you are way cheaper and way more effective than what they currently have.
1: Yes, but so couple everything that I've said also with the following. In my uh, several years in the cryptocurrency industry and just observing the world at large, I've come to the following conclusion. 99% of people don't really care about censorship resistance. They don't care about decentralization. They don't care about privacy. <laughs> they don't care about any of these things. No. What, what most people care about is just making money. And, really? and the reason why the next bull market will start is when people see like eight consecutive uh, tall green uh, wicks, or green candles on Bitcoin's price, that's what's gonna get the next wave of people in. I mean, um, Bitcoin thrives from greed, first of all. And it, and it thrives from FOMO, from these waves of desperation. And these waves of desperation, they don't come because suddenly 50 million people decided to care about their self-sovereignty. They come because people (laughs) want to make more money like week to week or month to month. And our hope is, of course, is that each wave of these speculative bubbles, um, like five to 10% of the people that that it brings with it will stay for the right reasons that um, Matt Odell likes to evangelize so much. But um, really the the biggest driving forces in Bitcoin's market cycles and particularly Bitcoin's price is uh, fear and greed.
0: I would agree, but I would also caveat that with I'm a big believer, and we never know when something will just turn. There will be, there could be a tipping point at some point in the future too.
2: I, I think you're not giving the Bitcoin community enough credit. I think that more people should care about censorship resistance and privacy, but like we have a large percentage of people that do. I agree, uh, man.
0: I, th- I think the percentage is growing, but I think Mirage is being realistic. I think
2: no I mean look I'm in it I'm I'm in it for the tech right like that's the meme like obviously like I want to fucking get rich too like I know that 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 is a key part of, of why like Bitcoin is such a fucking mind virus right but I do think that we have an outsized group of people that do care about privacy and censorship resistance I mean I, I see it every day. I interact with people every day. Like, we have a shit ton of people that care about that shit, and it, we need to grow it. That's, you know, one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast with you.
0: Yeah, we are playing devil's advocate again. I'll play devil's advocate on this episode. We are in a bit of a bubble, though, uh, inter- or conversationally. We uh, tend to, we to are, congregate. We're
1: with. definitely in a bit of a bubble, and a bubble. Uh, mm, as. A bubble. As Mr. Odell here, he mentioned that, oh, but Bitcoiners don't think like that. Yeah, but like Bitcoiners are like a tiny, tiny minority within a tiny, tiny minority of people. Is
2: why it's ridiculous to trade it right now when you can be fucking accumulating?
1: Well, I do believe we'll see a couple of better entry points, but that topic aside, um, my point is that most people are lazy. And uh, to care about self-sovereignty and privacy I mean, I'm as libertarian as they find, but we have to be realistic about the majority of other market participants. And frankly, uh, pe- many people, both poor and rich alike, they just don't care about these cypherpunk ideals. We need to understand, like, if, you're manage- if you are trading or investing or managing money, you need to put your ideals aside, and you need, to, you need to say, okay, this is what I want, this is how I see the world, this is how I want the world to be. And this is how the world is. And the people who adapt to market con- conditions and adapt to the world, they need to sort of be in the minds of the average market participant. And so I think, like, to care, uh, like uh, these things, like self sovereignty, decentralization, privacy, um, censorship resistance, uh, they might be important. And, and but the thing is, they're very intangible. And people, at least I believe in this, in this. Age or in this particular uh, part in the human evolution, I think people are just like not very good at mentally valuing intangible things, and so um, still like there are there are other forces at play here.
0: No, and I would agree, but. Again, going back to my previous caveat about the tipping point, like Bitcoin produces this tangible thing where it's like, hey, I can actually see these properties being played out in this technology, uh, I would argue, unlike anything that has ever existed up to this point in time. So with that being said, right now people don't care, but, uh, and this is what I believe, Bitcoin is truly like a better product at the end of the day, and it was the UX gets built around it will prove to be a vastly better product in terms of speed, settlement, uh certainty that, that your transaction is going through and having certainty that you actually own what you do and again like, like you said p- the notion of privacy and self-sovereignty is something that was very intangible in the p- past but I believe Bitcoin does present that sort of tangible good and technology through which you can experience those ideals in a very accessible way
2: like, I, Bitcoin gives you responsibility right like yeah. you have to you have a financial cost for fucking up um, I think I think one of the things that is, is pretty that's going to be big for education for user privacy is basically further increase. As we put more and more stuff on the Internet, we're going to have bigger and bigger privacy uh, exposés or dumps, right? We'll have like bigger incidents like we. So so this week we had the the we had two iPhone. Oh, uh, let's talk about this. This is actually must this um, is
0: freaky, man. Yeah. This is freaky. We so, had two
2: of them. Two of them got disclosed. Let's talk about the FaceTime one first. So the FaceTime one, they basically, if someone FaceTimed you and did a group chat, they could, without you, even if you didn't answer, yeah. they could listen to your mic. And if you declined the call, they could see out of your camera and listen to the mic at the same time. So this is like a major, major vulnerability. Um this is what teaches people, right? They see this and they're like, oh shit, like maybe the guys that were saying that, that my iPhone could mic could turn on when I'm having a conversation with some people weren't so crazy, right? And they start taking their privacy more seriously. You know, that's a closed piece of hardware. You don't know anything about what's going on there. And you should just assume that any of these devices, like they can be compromised, especially if they're connected to the internet.
0: Yeah, what was the other hack? I don't even know. The, the other, other
2: was a like a a later disclosure. Reuters had a uh report out about uh the UAE's spying program and they were using American contractors and those American contractors were using a program called Karma and the supposedly the vulnerability that Karma used was an iMessage vulnerability where you just needed to have the phone number they didn't even have to click a link or anything. If you just had the phone number, you can get their text messages, their emails, their locations, their photos, everything. Um, and it, because it was an iMessage vulnerability. So, like, that's pretty fucking crazy. Like, imagine all the people that have your phone number that could get your phone number. And, and so
0: they have, a, so these, this backdoor gives somebody access to Apple servers? Supposedly. Yeah. That's Supposedly it gives
2: you access to the phone, I guess. But, See, you know, iMessage goes to a computer too, so who the fuck knows?
0: Steve Jobs probably rolling in his grave right now. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Fuck up, both
2: of them. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think about.
0: No, it. but like we keep saying this, and you're like, oh, our data, the data hacks need to keep happening. But like Equifax, everybody got wrecked. Like Social Security, passport, yeah, exactly. like that's ridiculous. Home information, and yeah. nothing's no happened.
2: No one learned, right? Did anyone? There's no one learned, but nothing like people. nothing's we get really some happened. some people every time we get some people. Yeah, and hopefully they get their their family members. Like I got. Like I have my whole family uses Signal now. Like does Signal have its issues? Yeah, Signal has its issues. I've railed against Signal plenty of times, but they're all using an open source encrypted messenger. Like I that's a step in the right. So every time you get someone, you don't just get them; they become an evangelist, right?
0: But you're a powerful evangelists. Like I'm not as powerful. As you I don't have all my. We're still using WhatsApp. Facebook's still got our stuff.
2: Well, WhatsApp's like WhatsApp's like the half chub. It's like pretty good, right? <laughs> Like because you have encryption supposedly, you know, but but yeah. they're they're Facebook, so you probably shouldn't.
0: Yeah, no, that FaceTime hack in particular is really uh, really frightening because like you could be fucking sleeping, and somebody could just like FaceTime you and fucking have access to your like deep it's breaths like. as
2: you're sleeping. Yeah, it's a real eye opener, right? Yeah. Like I think we get a lot of people from something like that. I don't think like so. They though. freak this, out. This, this,
0: these eye openers happen so frequently, and yet nobody gives a shit. Like, I believe there needs to be, like, a fight club moment for people to be like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I mean, over the years, we've
1: seen a Facebook hack, Equifax hack, all these hacks. Panama Papers, WikiLeaks, all this stuff, right? And nothing changes. Nothing changes because, as I've said, it comes back to my previous point. No one cares. Like, people just don't care. Has
2: your privacy gotten better?
1: My privacy? Yeah,
2: has it gotten better?
1: I mean, y- yeah, my privacy has gotten better. But in general... I just think like most, 99% of people, they just, like, they don't care if Facebook can read all their messages. And so it's just the reality of the situation, right? Um, People are generally driven by more short-termist desires and short-termist sort of ambitions to even care about this stuff. And uh, I, I think all these precedents that we saw... It's just the, the the status quo when it comes to privacy is just probably will remain. Um.
0: No, but it's like that's why I feel the need to play like I don't want to say this heel, but like this role of sort of making people aware that they should think about it because it's like one day you don't really care about it until there's a boot on your neck. Like that's the that's the famous saying. Like and I and again I've said this story many times on this podcast. Like my old boss Dimitri from. Grew up in Soviet Russia. I was like, Marty, you gotta, gotta be careful. of This stuff and people are slowly like ceding their privacy and their, their freedom, their liberty, like your fucking innate liberty as a human being. And we're slowly ceding that. I would argue, and these uh, this is a perfect example. Like nobody gives a fuck.
1: So I still believe, I still believe that the monetary forces at play will be stronger here, because uh, if Bitcoin succeeds, then it's going to
0: defund. Ex- Exactly, and that's why I'm so bullish. because I do think it's honestly a better product, and people will realize that over time. It's just right coming I, to that realization.
1: I think like Bitcoin succeeding. I like to say that Bitcoin is like the real Occupy Wall Street, which can actually succeed. Like not just some hipsters like rallying on the street, but not not just yeah, but something that is actually can actually be successful yes. and can actually have an impact. Um, and if Bitcoin succeeds, then it's going to defund a lot of the quote unquote oppressors and a lot of the uh, quote unquote sort of um, like. Gatekeepers, right, right? Exactly, like gatekeepers, middlemen, uh, people who infringe on your privacy, etc. Uh, both on the government side as well as on the markets themselves side, by by making uh, sort of uh, monopolies harder to maintain, um, subsidies harder to come by, and just sort of break, uh, like, make the markets freer. Um, and I think that I, my bet is still on uh, like people's greed taking us there because of like the limited supply, as opposed to relying on just sort of the herd suddenly getting like better privacy or habits or whatever.
0: Yeah. No, it's an interesting debate. No, no. I think it is something like as Bitcoiners, obviously again, like going back to like, we are in a very niche bubble and have these very stringent ideals and stepping outside of that bubble and realizing like the greater landscape. But going back to the fact that the fact that like Bitcoin is inevitable because it is a better product and it will like people like, You were saying these properties have been so intangible in the past, and I do honestly believe that Bitcoin presents this tangible sort of realization of these properties. And it's just getting people to wake up like, hey, you should probably care about this. Be aware. Be aware, freaks. That's our be aware of the week.
2: One person at a time. One person at a time. Yeah, it's true. Dominoes will fall.
0: Speaking of one person at a time, looks like Charlie Lee's trying to get the uh, the Litecoin train back going. He bought back in?
2: He definitely bought back in. He hasn't admitted to it yet, but he definitely bought back in, right? Why are you saying this? This is on the list. You put this on the list. Sold the top, sold the top, right? And then decides like Litecoin's mission is confidential transactions on the bottom. That's what he just did. He totally bought back in. Murad, do you think he bought back in?
0: I'm not going to speculate on that.
2: Yeah, I mean,
1: um, I don't want to... I don't want to sort of make any harsh <laughs> comments, but let's, put it, let's comment. put it this way. In this industry, there exists some dark incentives <laughs> to get out of certain illiquid altcoins at market tops and get back in to certain illiquid altcoins at market bottoms, especially if you are a big centralizing figure who can essentially move the market because you have a big mind share of followers. It's really quite an unfortunate situation, but uh, a lot of people realize that this reality presents themselves with a lot of quote unquote money on the table, which can be abused and exploited. So uh, sort of without mentioning any names or making any explicit comments, I believe that there is certain um, great maneuvers that can be executed here.
2: Are you talking about yourself or are you talking about Charlie Lee? (laughs) (laughs) No comment. It had to be said.
0: I don't, yeah.
1: Look, so that people people don't accuse me of anything later, I'll just come out and say it. Like, I genuinely believe that um, many altcoins will outperform Bitcoin uh, 2019 bottom to 2023 top. I'm just putting it out there before the final capitulation. So don't you, you, So, uh, in the future, people can say, oh, you waited for like the bottom to happen to then like, say things like that, right? I'm telling you straight up right now, uh, I think many altcoins will outperform, uh, probably fewer than uh, it was in 2017. The returns will be more concentrated than last time because I believe the average IQ of the average market participant uh, is gonna be climbing up as more institutions and quasi smart money will be entering the race but um i just think that's the reality of the situation and you should be allocating and researching accordingly uh
0: you've been saying that since July, since you first came on the pub um
1: right like i was never i was never like hiding that fact
0: yeah i w- didn't even want to get on you i wanted to go back to charlie lee and uh just talk about the this isn't talked about enough like listen i bet charlie lee's a nice guy but the the moral hazard that existed at Coinbase when he was CTO, and they added like Litecoin, and then he sold the top like on CNBC, is vastly under talked about. Like,
1: <clears throat> so <clears throat> two things I'll say here. First of all, um, the only reason why Litecoin even exists is because Charlie Lee was a VP of engineering at Coinbase, and he uh, made it so that. A year or a couple years before the 2017 bubble, Litecoin ended up being a uh, top three all a coin with a smaller price in the eyes of the millions of the consumers who see that interface. And they think, oh, either I can't afford one Bitcoin, or this is smaller so it'll pump more. That's the only reason why Litecoin essentially pumped in the first place. It feeds off of ignorance of the masses. That's the only reason. I believe Litecoin is still, to this day, uh, 20 times overvalued. It has literally zero value. As a store of value, it's completely undifferentiated. There is nothing that Litecoin can do that Bitcoin cannot do. Uh, I believe that... uh, Litecoin's reason for existence, or joie de vivre, as they say, is almost completely non-existent. What I does mean, that it word? just shouldn't exist. Joie de... Joie de vivre. It's simply joie de vivre. the reason I like for that. existence in French. Joie
0: de vivre. Um, use that.
1: And so, I think that... Um, or rather, no, sorry. Joie de vivre is like the, the, the joy of life. Uh, I should have said the raison d'être. The raison d'être. The, yeah. the raison d'être, yeah. Um, raison d'être. And so, yeah, I mean, just... Litecoin is a complete joke that ideally just should collapse and like the argument that it's a testnet for Bitcoin that shouldn't be worth billions of dollars like that should be still worth ten times less than it is today
2: Charlie Lee can go fuck himself (laughs) That what he did as CTO of coinbase was just the most fucking ridiculous Irresponsible bullshit ever and he made fucking bank off of it and like should have sold. We all should have sold when Charlie sold. You know, regardless of what asset you held. But
0: again, he seems like a very nice guy. But he, he
2: literally got it on. He used high, high, like he said, high uh, supply amount to make the price look cheaper. And he got it on fucking Coinbase. And he like pumped the shit out of it. Like, and that just grinds my gears. Like, it just was really just like the worst of the worst. Yeah, I'm it's really it's, it's a storyline
0: that really skirts skirts under the rug here.
1: Well, if, if Litecoin was like at least somehow differentiated in a way that's important for a, hoarda- for, that. for a hoardable money, then it would kind of make sense, but it really isn't. And something else that we should note is that, and this is kind of a, a problem affecting the entire industry and also one of the three or four major reasons why like, the altcoin bubble like, happened in the first place is because a lot of these engineers and like, people who are super talented like, technologically uh, and in terms of software and cryptography, etc., they don't really understand monetary economics and how like currency competition works or has worked in the past, and so they think that like having a lot of currencies is, like a good thing uh, when it isn't like because currencies are not like Pepsi Cola or or like Sprite like it's not a consumer uh, good in the sense that you want choice. Ideally, you actually want a very small number of them. You want to like, be
0: able to take your Bitcoin and spend it anywhere in the world. Without exactly, like
1: yeah. I, like a, just the single liquidity pools being as dense as possible is what you want for your money. Uh, because like when you go to sleep, you want to go to sleep with your uh, currency being as like globally saleable as possible. And essentially having like a thousand currencies just hurts that. You, you don't want that at all. Yeah. But at the same time, I guess like this was kind of inevitable because you could argue that 100,000 currencies springing up is essentially the polar opposite of uh, like the government monopoly on a single money. So now that we finally have currency competition and everybody being able to issue their own private coin or token and what I call, like essentially what we are observing today is what the denationalization of money
0: would have always looked like.
1: So this is just a regular process. I believe that- um, People
0: going drunk for freedom?
1: Yes, and also um, I believe that, like, as I've said, people will get smarter and smarter and they will be educated um, by, uh, about these dynamics as time goes forward. Uh, and uh, we will do our part to educate them as well. But essentially, I believe the number of strong currencies in the digital currency arena will become smaller and smaller with um, just a few sort of uh, dense pockets remaining. Uh, now, that being said, and this might sound controversial, I don't think that we will have just one currency anytime soon. Uh, but we, I also don't think we will have like 10 big currencies either. I think a more realistic and plausible scenario is three or four dominant chains in the medium term, uh, even if Bitcoin does take uh, 70, 75% of the market.
2: Do you think that an altcoin can overtake Bitcoin?
1: Um,
2: I think we have to pay our
1: respects where respects uh, are due. (laughs) And uh, anybody who says, anybody who thinks that Bitcoin doesn't have um, the highest chances of winning at the moment, would be lying uh bitcoin probably has the highest probability to win at the moment Uh, and it remains to be seen whether um its first mover immaculate conception and the uh, liquidity advantage remain insurmountable i mean so my logic is this like bitcoin is a 10x improvement over gold and fiat and in order to supplant it you need to do another 10x improvement, essentially, or at least a 6x, 7x improvement or whatever. And doing that is much harder. Uh, d- what Bitcoin did to gold, doing that to Bitcoin, is significantly more difficult. And it, it's also important to understand that these currencies, they're not competing just technologically, but they're also competing um, in terms of the Lindy effect and the community and like the, the religiosity aspect of it. And so... Um, Usurping Bitcoin will definitely be incredibly difficult, but I wouldn't go as far as to say it's completely impossible, but it's probably extremely, extremely difficult.
2: That's a bit of a cop-out. What's your percentage? Um,
1: what's the percentage of Bitcoin being supplanted?
2: Yes. 25%. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? No fucking way <coughs> I mean, but you you don't believe in you don't believe in like in forks right in like any kind of fork governance
1: well, so I think that first of all like bitcoin succeeding in general is itself a speculative proposition so uh me saying that no. it's seventy five percent that bitcoin is going to be the guaranteed winner, I think that's totally reasonable.
2: I think that if there's any type of groundbreaking feature or something that an altcoin has then then bitcoin will add it through a fork and whichever and if it truly has value then that fork will become the dominant fork of bitcoin so i find very few scenarios here where you know 25% just seems ridiculous to me that and even if you had like some kind of completely different technology you could use the bitcoin utxo set to start that chain because it's the most fair ledger that we've ever had that will automatically have added value because the ledger has value well it, it took the bitcoin
1: community how many years to decide on the block size debate uh four years and and it didn't go through So uh, I think any significant major, well, I guess, yeah, in in a way, but um, any, in any case that took that, that, that relatively small change, in my opinion, took an extremely long amount of time. I prefer
0: to take that much longer than it'd be a lot easier.
1: So saying that um, like any, like saying that any kind of superior technology can get implemented in Bitcoin just like effortlessly and instantaneously, uh, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Also um, no one said it was instantaneous. Well also I think that Bitcoin definitely has a lot of uh, advantages and it will probably be the winner, but once again like it, it's by no means guaranteed and it's bit like bit first place is bitcoins to lose for sure and it, it will have to be defended. Um, I actually think altcoins are valuable because they force Bitcoin... Yeah, they definitely light a fire under people's assets. ...to stay on... The Bitcoin community to stay on their toes. Yeah,
0: and so just to go back to it took forever to get um, Segwit adopted. Uh, Again, I would go back to I think that is advantageous again because the alternative is a somewhat quasi-formal governance structure which I don't think is advantageous at all. And I think while uh, these... "Quote unquote" on-chain governance structures may work now. Uh, I don't think they're socially scalable because, at the end of the day, again, we want Bitcoin to ossify at some point. And I think the existence of these governance mechanisms will just lead to a, a system where you have quasi-like lawyers making laws. Like just the the fact that a governance sort of process exists means it will be exploited. And uh, Bitcoin's rough governance by rough consensus is while not always the quickest route to figure things out is the only way. I would argue.
1: I honestly, I think people are talking about ossification of the base layer quite a bit too early because we're only like human life might be short. I'm not. Say, I'm not only saying only we should need to do it
0: right now. But Ooh. I'm saying like even when you get to the point where it is ossified, even if it's a hundred years now, you'd want it to be ossified in a governance structure like Bitcoins and the 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 uh, probability that it will become a protocol with governance will become ossified, I, I would argue. Uh, like well, you realize Bitcoin has
1: governance as well, right? Just because it's not formalized on-chain doesn't mean that it's not there.
0: Yes, but... It, it,
1: it, if anything, I would argue that you can design an on-chain governance system which is far more transparent than anything you've ever seen before.
0: But, no, I would argue that, like, a governance, like, mechanism just, like, makes these proposals more likely, where if there is no, go- like, governance mechanism to sort of present these ideas, they won't, like – they won't even get, like, the voice – they they would get, like, the fact that you have a mechanism to present these ideas gives them an unheard voice that doesn't exist in Bitcoin or uh, – leverage voice that that maybe shouldn't exist
1: i am personally still attracted to systems where the investors or the coin holders such as i have some voice or the community at large has a bigger voice in the direction of the system
0: yeah no i agree this is something to to uh, debate
2: i mean bitcoin holders have plenty of discussion plenty of voice in the conversation the the fact that that it can't be changed easily is a feature, not a bug. It goes with everything else we've been talking about today, the immutability, the store value proposition in its whole, in its entirety, censorship, resistance. All of this goes with the fact that this system is ridiculously difficult to change. You know, it's a resistance to change as opposed to systems that we're used to that, that tend to be highly change prone, right? Like you can change them, and then it's like once you change them though, it's like hard to go back. But but you can change them, and and I think that's it's a feature, it's not a bug.
0: I would agree. Gentlemen, we have five minutes left. We haven't gotten through like a third of the topics.
2: It's it's been a good episode though. It
0: has been. I love these free riffs. What should we talk about to end it? Hamas is using Bitcoin apparently.
2: No, I mean that's just they have no source like whatsoever. Like that's fucking ridiculous. I was just I put that on there because like I wanted to say it was ridiculous. So we got that down.
0: Yeah. Bloomberg reported that. Come on, Bloomberg. If we, could,
2: if we could stop Hamas from using Bitcoin, then Bitcoin's worthless because we can't stop people by design. That's the whole point.
0: Yeah. Um. All right. We'll skip over Hamas because we've already talked about that stuff. Cold card has a pin brute force
2: vulnerability. Yeah. The new ones don't. Mm-hmm. But the way they set up the firmware, I, I think you can't update the old ones. But if you use a long pin, then you're pretty good yeah it's just if they have physical access you should just assume that if someone has physical access to your hardware wallet they can compromise it but yeah. it's the attack is if they have physical access they can get around the the delay yeah. so you can brute force a short pin like relatively easily yeah um,
0: cold is cool I need to get my hands on one of this the just new version up.
2: has mechanical buttons oh yeah Rodolfo's awesome yeah I didn't mean to talk over your shout-out. But the new one has mechanical buttons, like actual push buttons instead of touch screen buttons, which is way better. Like the original, was, a, it was a little bit finicky to use, but it's a great product.
0: Yeah, so check that out uh, as a hardware solution, but also be uh, be advised of the vulnerability with the pin stuff. Um, and then this will be the last topic. Things are getting weird in Venezuela. We talked about it last week. Still not sure what's going on. Latest thing, Maduro has frozen... Uh, the new president guaido's uh accounts i guess his bank accounts of venezuela i'm not sure how that that action will probably be in vain
2: i mean i th- that's a pretty obvious thing for him to do, yeah. and I just thought it you know made uh it's the perfect example of why bitcoin's useful right and it's a perfect example of why censorship resistance is important. Because you could have the best store in value in the world and if the dude can just fucking freeze your assets, then yeah, you and know, that, need some censorship. And actually, I've
0: heard about this in the Ben today too, like highlighting, I mean, volume is still relatively low compared to on uh, exchange volume. Um, but local Bitcoins in Russia and Venezuela in particular, denominated in Bitcoin volume is, is rising uh, pretty quickly. And that is an example of where like Bitcoin is better technology for those people and they get it more innately. So again maybe this revolution happens in these countries first and it moves on from there.
1: Yeah, for sure. But um, I still think that, I mean, even if you put all of, like, Venezuela and or North Korea and all, all these fringe states, like, money together, or or even isolate, like, the demand from those countries that need something like this. Um, and, like, I don't want to sound cold, but, like, that doesn't add up to as much money as uh, just, like, a hundred millionaires buying somewhere in the West, you know what I mean? Or somewhere in Asia. Yeah. Which is really, um, what I think once again was going to be driving the price more.
0: Yeah, no. And I'm not even like trying to allude that that will drive the price, but it is showing like it is getting more use there and the the product itself is being used.
2: Well, as far as like the actual governments go, like we're more, we were more talking about like opposition people who could get their bank accounts frozen. As far as governments go, you have like sanctions and those kind of issues. Those countries are actually bigger drivers, I would say, long term for mining like they because they can mine way below what other people might say is the cost of break even because they can't sell at their energy on the markets. They're already ostracized and then they get to censorship global currency. Right. And in reward for that, it's like perfect for them. Yeah.
0: Um, censorship resisting global currency. Um, yeah. No. So a lot of stuff going on. Pretty basic stuff. We've ripped a lot today. I was loving marauds in the studio. We're gonna enjoy dinner tonight. Um, do you have any parting parting words for the freaks out there?
1: I think it is likely that this bear market will be prolonged, and importantly, we will reach a point we will reach a point where um, people will say that Bitcoin is dead or this this thing is done. But um, the the time where people will proclaim Bitcoin dead once again will be the time where you should be considering entering
2: the market in my opinion.
0: Very wise words.
2: Um, yeah, this is very different than the last, the last bear cycle people were saying zero. Like they were like, this shit is you're just, maybe we were wrong. And we were talking about that meme last week. Um, anyway, should we, should we do a bet? Sure. Um, I'm thinking, Six months from now, will the price be over 3400 the The HODLers bet. It's the HODLers bet. It's
0: like August 1st.
1: Okay, so six months from now, that's August 1st? I believe. March, April, May, June, July, August.
0: Or September 1st. Uh,
1: will it be over 3400 by August? September 1st. Ooh. September 1st. Yes. September 1st. Um, I will do... August first. Five months. Um I will do um thirty five fifty
2: on August first, sure. Below? Wait, 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 wait. So this is what I'm talking about. So so the charts are nice, you've gotten all your calls right, but at the end of the day, like if you're just a normal person and you have this once in a lifetime opportunity to invest in something. Why are you trying to time bottoms? Like those people shouldn't be timing bottoms, right? Like they should just be dollar cost averaging in right now. And because in six months time, you think the price is going to be a hundred dollars higher than it is right now. So like, why are they even fucking around trying to time a call, b- try and time a bottom? Uh, no, 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 sorry. I'm saying that the price will be lower
1: in six months. Like I- I'm betting, I'm betting that five months, it's five months, right? I'm betting that uh, we will be lower than we are here today in five months. But then why 3,500? It should be 3,400. Right? I'm just negotiating the, the, the. I'm just tweaking the bet to sort of defend my position more fiercely, but that's pretty much it.
2: No, I want, I want it to be a hodler's bet. I, want it, I guess five okay. months is let's what just, we're doing. Let's just put it this way. Today's price, August 1st. You are over, I'm
1: under. Simple as that. Yes, yes. Okay. That's what I want. Okay, bet. What are we betting? Uh, we need to raise the stakes for sure. We have to raise the stakes. Steaks and Wait,
2: steaks. No, no, no. But the Michelin, once no you get into event. the Michelin stars, like, to be honest, like, steakhouses aren't really, We're at like, the- you should, like, once you go into Michelin's, you shouldn't be doing steakhouses. So yeah. why don't we just agree to, so I, the original bet was a Michelin two star, but there's no Michelin two star steakhouses in New York. There's only two one stars. Well, let's do something other than. Food we
0: two figure out because this goddamn bet.
1: People owe me, like, 14 dinners in New York right now.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I mean, you had a good streak, you know, but all good streaks come to an end.
0: All right. What do we bet? What, what do you want to bet? We'll at? come to the terms off air at dinner tonight. Okay. And uh, announce,
2: announce we'll announce it bet. on Twitter. I'm going to side with my co-host
0: on this one. I bet we're higher. Ooh, I mean.
2: By August 1st. It's nice to have you with me. Yeah. It's nice to have you. you know, I think we never would have dumped if Marty stayed with me. Like, that's – he – Marty, so far, my predictions have been feeding you quite well. <laughs> so
1: are you sure you want to switch positions? Because <laughs> the track record of your partnership with me has thus far been much more fruitful, at least when it comes to bets.
0: I feel like the hand's too hot right now. It's too hot.
1: You guys, I believe, might be over- underestimating how harsh the winter is going to get.
0: Uh, I've been through a harsh winter before.
1: The winter is coming. The, the, the winters are getting harsher. I bought new gloves today. I bought new
2: gloves today.
0: We're talking about, like, the crypto winter, not, like, the, the No, I understand. Winter.
2: I understand, but yeah. it's metaphorical. Know, you know. know, it's a nice metaphor. That is a nice Okay, metaphor. so we'll decide on the bet terms, but uh Marty and I are going over... Ah, <laughs> uh, you got and, me question. Uh, I'm gonna ride going ride or die under. with the co-host. Let's you know, go. honestly, if we're over on August 15th, like, um, that's one of those, like, win-win bets. You know, it's like, whatever. Like, if he wants to move it... Up. He obviously doesn't feel that secure in his position if he's trying to negotiate terms of, of this kind of thing.
0: I mean, it... Yeah.
1: No, I mean, I was taught... Growing up, that you should always negotiate terms. Uh, but I am pretty confident. I am pretty confident um, that I'm pretty confident in my bet here. We yeah. will be lower than this price in, on August
2: what 1st.
0: Uh, trade block index, XBX index, 3421.65.
2: That was a really weird way. $3,421. $3, there you
0: go. And 35 cents if it gets that close. That'd be awesome if it gets that close.
1: Now I will admit that uh, this this bet is much more intriguing for me than last time was because last time I was 95 percent certain I will win and I did, but um, this time is closer. This time is more interesting, and we are actually closer to the bottom, of course. So this actually is uh, much
2: more intriguing for me. Yeah, of course he's not, You know, like I'm surprised you're not 2020 in hindsight. You know, like of course you're 95 percent now, but that's that's besides the point it has got to wet the beach. always Buster Balls. Murad,
0: thank you for stopping by again. Pumped to, to enjoy dinner tonight. Uh,
1: definitely, likewise. And uh, always happy to be a guest on RHR. Uh, thank you so much. And I uh, sincerely hope that my occasional presence in, um, in your franchise will continue.
0: <laughs> oh, it definitely will.
2: Next time we have to have your uh, brother Masir on as well. Yeah, when you he's, get Masir on. He's my favorite brother. I prefer him over you sometimes. It depends on the day. It depends on my mood.
0: The the Mamadov bloodline is strong. At Must Stop Murad, Find him on Twitter. Freaks, it's been a, f- been a pleasure. Well over an hour this time. Um, we'll be back next week. And hopefully I'll have some interviews lined up too. Uh, shout out to my wife and my brother for putting up with us for the last hour. Love you guys. Peace and love. Cheers.